0: By verse, Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: Now, you should know right off the bat that nobody ever thought of this, this, that this might even be the interpretation until the height of the slave trade in the mid-1800s. Isn't that interesting? Nobody ever thought of this, or if they did, it was never written down. It was not a a, a view. It wasn't even an interpretation that warranted any credibility until the uh, 1800s at the height of the slave trade. So that ought to tell you something right there.
2: Listen, Chris, why do you insist on attempting something everyone has told you can't be done? There are people who have lived longer, proved to be wiser and smarter than you. I am sure they know more on the subject than you do. Why can't you just accept what they say? Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. My name is Jerry Pruden, and it is my pleasure to introduce Pastor Kreeloff. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. Verse by Verse Ministries is a tool for making his practical messages available to a wider audience. What about Chris? Well, Chris is Christopher Columbus, who was determined to prove the earth to be round and disprove all those who went before him that believed and defended the earth to be flat. If it wasn't for Chris, possibly, we still would be sailing with shorelines in view. Until Chris, they thought the horizon was an edge, and just past the edge was a huge waterfall, and anyone going close would get sucked over. What they failed to realize was that the farther away they sailed from land, they never got closer to the edge, yet they stood firm in their belief even though it was wrong. This kind of thinking is exactly what Pastor Steve is going to talk about today as we look at the views of Ham's curse. True or false, man's explanation or God's determination. Someone once said, a text taken out of context becomes a pretext. We need to read the entire thought and then interpret it within its proper context. Pastor Kreeloff dissects this passage with extreme care and clears up many questions that have puzzled people for years. Let's listen in as Pastor Steve speaks in greater detail to this principle. Pastor Steve.
1: So, the curse upon Canaan is justified because Noah prophetically saw that the attitude that led to Ham's shameful act in his moral flaw in his character would come to be fully expressed and developed in Canaan's descendants. That's the point. Canaan wasn't cursed because of what Ham did. Canaan was cursed because of what the Canaanites would be, and 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 Noah just prophetically saw it in Ham. So I, I think that should clarify and clear it up. That's why he was cursed. Now, specifically, though, what was this curse? Well, verse 25 tells us here's the curse. Now, you know why he was cursed, but here's the curse. A servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. What does that mean? Uh, servant of servants means he's going to be the lowest of the lows. It's, uh, it means he's going to be the worst of all slavery uh, situations. In other words, the Canaanites, and here's the point, are not going to be just slaves. They're going to be slaves to their brothers. They're going to be slaves to their relatives. That's how bad it's going to be. And who are those relatives? The descendants of Shem and the descendants of Japheth. That's what he means. He means, uh, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. Later on in the blessing given to Shem and to Japheth, it says that Canaan will be your servant. So that's, that's what he's talking about. So the actual curse is slavery. That's the curse, slavery. And I think that um, most of us are aware, and, and certainly you are now because I mentioned it before, that there are some who have used this verse to justify the slavery of black Africans. And they believe that. They believe, and they've been taught by uh, Bible teachers, that uh, hams, dark, skinned descendants, were all cursed. They would say that this was the cause of the, uh, the Negro people being cursed, and uh, some would even say, because of this ought to be kept in slavery, at least economic servitude. They would justify then the enslavement of African blacks using this verse. Now, you should know, right off the bat, that nobody ever thought of this, this that this might even be the interpretation until the height of the slave trade in the mid-1800s. Isn't that interesting? Nobody ever thought of this, or if they did, it was never written down. It was not a a, a view. It wasn't even an interpretation that warranted any credibility until the uh, 1800s at the height of the slave trade. So that ought to tell you something right there. But to put it bluntly, this is as wrong as it could be. Absolutely wrong. And let me tell you why it's a, a wrong interpretation. Notice Genesis 10. We move now from 9 to 10 just for a few moments. Genesis 10 is the table of nations, the nations that came out from Noah's three sons. And in verse 6, we read about Ham. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, and Put, and Canaan. Canaan being the youngest. Mizram refers to Egypt. It's used in in fact 90 times in the Old Testament for Egypt. Put refers to North Africa and Libya. So there three of Ham's sons settled in Africa. I don't think there's any question about that. Three of Ham's sons settled in Africa. But the fourth son, the fourth son, who is Canaan, did not settle in Africa, and he was not dark skinned. He and his descendants eventually settled in the land that they named after their father, the land of Canaan, what we call today the Middle East or the Holy Land. And the Canaanites, as I said, were not black-skinned Africans. This was the same land, the land of Canaan, that God later promised to one of Shem's descendants named Abram. If you look at Genesis 12, Genesis 12, verses 5 through 7. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions, which they had accumulated, and the uh, persons which they had uh, acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land, as far as the site of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants... I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Folks, this is why Genesis 9 records Noah's prophecy. Remember that Genesis is written to the Israelites. Somewhere in the wilderness, probably at Mount Sinai, ready to to enter into the land of Canaan. And Moses is writing to the Israelites in order, at least in this chapter, the purpose of this chapter is to encourage them, to strengthen them. Because it's not going to be easy when they go into the land. And they were fearful of going into the land. In fact, when the spies were sent out, most of them came back and said, we're, we're little compared to these people. They're giants. We can't overtake them. And Moses was telling them as he was inspired by God, do not be discouraged because God has already cursed these people. You will conquer them. Just believe the word of God that came through Noah. They were destined to conquer these people. They were destined to enslave these people. That's the point of this passage in terms of the Jewish people. They should have been encouraged by this. Instead, they didn't believe God. They were fearful. That's why they wandered. They were fearful and unbelieving. And that's why they wandered for about 40 years in the wilderness until that whole generation died out. Did this prophecy ever come to pass? Was this prophecy ever fulfilled or is there a future fulfillment of it? Well, no, the prophecy came to pass. It's already happened and it had nothing to do with anybody in Africa. Nothing to do with slavery of black Africans. This prophecy was fulfilled in the Old Testament when in Joshua's day and later in Solomon's day the Canaanites were placed under forced Labor and slavery. In fact, let me let me show this to you. Joshua, right after Deuteronomy, Joshua speaks of the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites deceived Joshua. They said that they were uh, people from a from a far distance, and uh, they wanted to be friends with the Israelites. And they were Canaanites, but Joshua didn't know it. And it, it says that they did not consult the Lord. They didn't seek his counsel, and so they made a pact with them, and later they realized that the Gibeonites were Canaanites who deceived them. They just didn't want to be conquered and killed. But Joshua still abided by his, um, his pact, which he made with them. But in Joshua chapter 9, verse 22, Then Joshua called for them and spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are very far from you when you are living within our lands. Now, therefore, you are cursed, and you shall never cease being slaves. You are our slaves. That's where it was fulfilled, at least part of it. And and later on, Canaanites were fulfilled were uh, were enslaved. First Kings chapter nine. You don't need to turn there. Let me just read it to you, verses twenty and twenty one. And as for this is in Solomon's day. As for all the people who were left of the uh, Amorites, the Hittites, the uh, Perizzites, the uh, Hivites and the Jebusites who were not of the sons of Israel, their descendants who were left with them in the land, whom the sons of Israel were unable to destroy utterly. From them Solomon levied forced labors even to this day. The Canaanites were already enslaved. Some in Joshua's day, some a little bit later on, and whatever w- was left, Solomon in his day forced them to be slaves. They were slaves to Shem. It already happened. What about Japheth? Because it says you're going to be a slave to both Shem and Japheth. Uh, Japheth's descendants uh, are primarily Europeans. And uh, probably this was, uh, and not strictly Europeans, not strictly Europeans, but probably, um, we don't have it necessarily in the Bible, but history would tell us that this most likely was fulfilled by uh, when the Canaanites were defeated by the Persians and later by the Romans in 146 BC at the Battle of Carthage. Uh, That would have been the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians would have still been Canaanites. And so it's already taken place. Today, there are no Canaanites. There are no Canaanites. The, uh, the, the Palestinians, the Arabs living uh, in the, the Holy Land today are not Canaanites. They're a conglomeration of a lot of peoples, uh, mostly Semitic peoples, mostly from, from Shem. They are not Canaanites. No Canaanites exist today. As a people, they're gone. Their slavery was in the ancient world, has nothing to do with black Africans. But though the Canaanites have passed from the scene, this prophecy about them has a number of uh, of applicable and relevant truths and principles for us. So I encourage you to write some of this down. In fact, I encourage you to get all of this down. But let me give you uh, some some truths that I think there are reminders, things that we need to be reminded about from this passage.
2: That is good stuff, Pastor Steve. I believe all those listening today have learned something, and I trust we'll stay tuned for the last part of our program. The Canaanite no longer exists. Its heritage is stained with wrongdoing just as Noah prophesied. The Bible said an altar was erected as a memorial to this fulfilled prophecy. Memorials or altars were usually built as reminders for the nation of Israel and its descendants. This memorial was to be a reminder that God keeps his word and that his word is true. We have monuments in our country to remind us of our great heritage. The difference being our monuments honor men. Israel's altars or memorials honored Jehovah God.
1: I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses. Life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio. And uh, our program has been transformed by by Scripture because uh, the Word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable, and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car, and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. Drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you, and may our Lord richly bless and strengthen you as you listen to him speak.
2: I hope you have your paper and pencil because it is time to get back to our study with Pastor Steve and write down some thoughts from the remainder of this message. Okay, Pastor Steve, what is number one?
1: Number one, it reminds us that God always deals with sin. That's a great truth. God always deals with sin. He didn't let the Canaanites get away with anything. He always deals with sin. The Canaanites were vile sinners, and God dealt with them in his own time and in his own way. And the great principle for us is that God deals with sin, our sin. God must punish our sin. And you know what? He did that already. Do you know that? He's done that already in the person of Jesus Christ. Sin has already been punished. The judgment of God fell upon him. And we have one of two choices. Either we embrace and trust that Christ's judgment was for us, or the judgment of our sin was, was taken care of in Him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Or else, when we die, we spend eternity in what the Bible calls hell, paying for our own sins. Hell has really nothing to do in, in the sense of, uh, you don't, let me put it this way, you don't go to hell because you reject Christ. A person goes to hell because God is holy and their sins are going to be paid for forever and ever and ever. God is so holy that it takes forever to deal with, with sin. It's your sin that's the issue. Rejecting Christ is just one more sin. But judgment is coming to you unless you have trusted Jesus Christ as your savior from sin. I think that's a great principle that comes from here God does deal with sin secondly this prophecy reminds us that we cannot blame our behavior on how we were raised on our parents our environment I mean who, who here had perfect parents except my wife who, who here And this has nothing to do with the will it just came to me but um, even that was not in my notes I want you to know that even Adam and Eve, perfect, do they have perfect parents, perfect God, perfect father, and yet they, they sinned. We, uh, we can't blame our behavior on anybody else. You know, the big, the big term today is dysfunctional family. Listen, everybody has a dysfunctional family. We're all sinners. Who functions properly, perfectly? Everybody has a dysfunctional family. There are degrees, I suppose, of that, but uh, you can't blame your sin on how you were raised. It may be more challenging for you, but God's grace is sufficient. In a world of excuse makers, we need to be careful that we don't excuse our behavior by shifting the blame. Face your sin, repent of your sin. Thirdly, this prophecy ought to remind us that God does control history. It's a great truth. It's a comforting truth. God controls history. Without an understanding of, of the, the, uh, this prophecy, and, and the one we're going to study, or the statement this week, and then the blessings that we're studying next week, you would really have no clue as to the big picture of, of human history. We really would have no, no clue as, as to that. In fact, it's interesting, in my research, I have discovered that uh, anthropologists and others who who study ethnic groups, and there's a whole whole field of study on this, have no idea or or no real substance to their thinking as to where nations came from. The only record we have of where nations came from is Genesis chapter 10. And where they're going, and, and all of that, Genesis 9 and 10. It is fascinating. It gives us a perspective on the fact that God does control history. Things don't just happen. They may appear to us like they do, but they don't. There is a scheme. There is a plan. They're moving along God's prophetic uh, timetable. But this prophecy also would would indicate to us if, if God controls history and the nations of the world, then he certainly has your circumstances and my circumstances under his control. Can you apply that? Can you, can you take that step from the big picture of God controlling history? I think some of us can certainly believe that and, and handle that. God controls the nations of the world, but sometimes we forget that God controls uh, your lives. God controls the circumstances, the daily circumstances of your life. Car accidents and finances and work-related things and family matters and things like that. God does control. He really is sovereign, and I think this is a wonderful reminder to us. And finally, the curse upon Canaan is a helpful reminder to us to be a good student of the Bible, because some of you were taught error that, as I said before, that black people have been cursed by God, and you believe that. And maybe you were taught by reputable Bible teachers, but you know what? Be very careful. Be like the Bereans were, who searched the Scriptures daily to see if what they were being taught was true. Now, where would you you look to find this out? All you had to do is look up Genesis 10, and the sons of Ham, that would give you insight. And you could get some very good commentaries. We, we have commentaries in our library. You can borrow some of our staff's commentaries and, and check it out. Don't just believe it. Some of you have believed for years' error, and, and it's distorted your picture, your view of black people, and that's wrong. So I think that the, this prophecy is very, very helpful for us because it reminds us of so many things. Next week, Lord willing, we'll pick it up and we'll continue it. And it's just a fascinating portion of Scripture. Let's bow for prayer. I remind you once again that God does deal with sin. And if you have not accepted Christ, then I would urge you to accept Him because your eternity depends on all of that. You are a sinner. I'm a sinner. Everybody here is a sinner. God does judge sin. He's so holy, he cannot let sin go by. The question is, are you going to pay for it, experience it yourself? Or will you accept that Jesus experienced it? When he died on the cross, God has placed on him the iniquity of us all. The wrath of God has already fallen upon him. If you've never repented... Turn from your sin and trust to Christ. I invite you to do that today, and I invite you to come up after the service. One of our leaders will be here and be happy to talk with you. And for those of us who do know the Lord, I trust that um, portion of Scripture like this will be just a great help to you in, in clarifying that God is sovereign. God controls history. He controls your life. And I trust that, that your thinking has been adjusted to see that the soul that sins it shall die god is just sovereign and just father thank you for this your word lord i doubt if many people here have uh, have really examined this portion of scripture prior to today but how how critical it is and i pray lord that perhaps for uh, some if not many it's clarified a great deal about black africans and the Canaanites, and what this—the uh, true interpretation is—I also thank you, Father, that you are just. And while our parents can certainly have an influence upon us, uh, you deal with us according to our sin and our response to, to sin and circumstances. And I thank you for that. You are so just with us, and you are so um, so also good to us in that Christ has paid for our sins, and we can be forgiven. And Lord, I, I do pray that you'll draw to yourself those who need to, um, to accept you. And I pray, Lord, that those who need a readjustment in thinking will, um, will apply the word to our lives today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thank you, Pastor Steve, for those reminders. And may we be challenged to live our life in the light of God's word. Moses told the children of Israel to be sure their sin would find them out in the book of Numbers. Paul reminds the people of Galatia, along with the rest of us, that Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. As a preteen, that one truth was embedded in my brain to the point that I was fearful of dying without knowing the Lord as my personal Savior. At the age of 10, in a daily vacation Bible school at my church, at the age of 10, in a daily vacation Bible school at my church, I asked Jesus to forgive my sin and become my personal savior, which he did. He gave me at that very moment eternal life and an eternal home in heaven. Since that day, he has never left me and has been my guide through life. Thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is taking us through a study of Genesis 9 and 10. At Verse by Verse Ministries, we believe that his expository or verse by verse teaching style is the best way to learn the whole word of God. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you. If you would like to hear today's lesson again, point your web browser to versebyverseradio.org. We have today's class as well as many previous ones available for downloading or listening online. Once more, that's versebyverseradio.org Today's class is the third and final part of a three-part sermon. To hear the entire message, you can order a CD or cassette. If you would like to speak with someone about receiving Christ as your Savior, just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call as soon as possible. Our number again is... 727 441 1714. This is Jerry Pruden. I hope to see you next time right here on Verse by Verse.
0: You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org